Before we get started today, I have two quick announcements to make. First, have you been enjoying the World Cup so far? You might already know that Brazilians live and breathe football in their day-to-day -day lives, but how is to experience the biggest football tournament in the world while in the land of football? Well, we have a free ebook so you can understand all about it. Just visit the special banner on Brazilian.report and find out why the World Cup is so special to Brazil. And if you enjoy our content, you should consider becoming a member on our Buy Me A Coffee page. You can offer one to five cups of coffee to our staff every month, and that gets you exclusive benefits like special newsletters, behind-the-scenes content, the ability to ask questions directly to us, as well as a special shout-out here on our podcast. And we like to thank our existing Buy Me A Coffee members, Steve Knapp, Aaron Berger, James Coney, Carlos Vesrick, Alasdair Townsend, Peter Abrahamson, Michael Fryer, Miller Renascido, Jim Awafadeju, David Dixon, Felipe Saito, José Rosi Stankovic, Gabriela Graf Innes, Emerging Market Muser, Yarden Iftar, Tonica Thompson, Anderson da Silva, Kat Kramer, Fra, Peter Suffering, Anna Lund, and someone who chose to remain anonymous. You too can join them and support independent journalism. Just head to buy me a coffee and subscribe, and starting next week you can hear your name on Explaining Brazil. If you cannot support us on a monthly basis, you can still tip us a cup of coffee every now and then just to give us the energy boost we need to cover a country as complex as Brazil and a region as complex as Latin America. Go to buymeacoffee.com slash Brazilian Report to find out more. Imagine income brackets as a ladder with 100 rungs. If you are on the first rung, it means you're in the bottom 1% of the country in terms of income. If you are on the 100th one, then you're part of the top 1%. A recent study by Brazilian researchers showed that the social ladder offers little mobility in Brazil. If you're at the top, chances are you will not drop down too much. But if you're at the bottom, there are very few ways for you to climb upwards. For those born into households on the bottom 20 rungs on the ladder, there's a 2.5% chance that they'll reach the upper levels. That's much lower than we see in developed nations. My name is Gustavo Ribeiro, editor-in-chief of the Brazilian Report, this is Explaining Brazil. Meritocracy is a fairly popular concept among Brazilians. Six out of ten people in the country believe that workers should receive recognition purely for their hard work and competence and not based on their gender, ethnicity, or income. Finding ways to move up the social ladder has become an even more critical issue with the COVID pandemic, during which at least 10 million people dropped below the poverty line, roughly the entire population of Portugal. Google searches for how to make money increased suddenly in the country in March 2020, 
and haven't gone down since. Other terms such as how to get rich while being poor and how to be richer are also trending. But research shows that it doesn't matter how much you try, your chances of success are almost entirely determined by your starting point. That's what the so-called intergenerational mobility in the land of inequality study recently found. And we have invited one of the authors for this week's podcast. My name is Lucas Varvar. I am a Brazilian economist. Uh, currently, I am a predoctoral researcher at Bocconi University in Italy. And I am also affiliated with the GAPI Research Group at the Federal University of Pernambuco. Lucas, thanks for joining us. First of all, I want to ask you, how can you study social mobility? Which kind of data do you have to consider? And what are the specific challenges of doing so in developing nations where so many people are in the informal economy Does making data collection more iffy? Oh, that's a, that's a great question. And that's one of the biggest breakthroughs of our study. To study social mobility is to study the relationship between the social status of fathers and mothers to the social status of their children. So in order to do so, We have to have data on basically uh, two things. First, we have to have family links. So we have to, to observe a certain data set on which we have parents linked to their children. And in order to measure their, their social status, we need to get their incomes. So we have to have this very unique data set in which we observe at, at the same time the families and their incomes uh, over time, over decades, since children, the children were born to the moment to the children became adults and are working in the labor market. So this is a particular challenge because in developing countries, uh, there is no ready to use data set with this information. So in our study, we link uh, several administrative data sources from the government, from the Ministry of Labor, uh, to, from the tax authority to be able to have this data set that's very unique. Uh, and another challenge of studying social mobility in developing countries, it's what you said, Gustavo, is that many people work in the informal labor market. So even when you have this access to this great data with family links and with family incomes over time, most of the time, a great part of the population is not in this data set because it is in the informal labor market. So we develop uh, many machine learning techniques to predict the income uh, of these people that work in the informal labor markets using, in the case of Brazil, a lot of household surveys that are used to assess uh, the informal labor market. There are already some studies on mobility 
such as from the World Economic Forum, which show that it is quite challenging to ascend socially in Brazil. What makes your research different? Unsurprisingly, we find that in Brazil, there is very little social mobility. Former studies uh, that also studied social mobility in Brazil using different methodologies, they also found uh, very little mobility, but they had less precise measures. Uh, we are able with this methodology to uh, estimate mobility in a very more precise way. And in particular, in the case of the methodologies that we develop to face the challenges posed by informality in Brazil, um, in this sense, Gustavo, we are not comparing to former studies. Uh, in our study, we compare our methodologies to the case of ignoring the formal labor market because um, that's a thing that we could do that Uh, some studies in other countries do, uh, not in Brazil. And what would happen if you ignore the formal economy? How distorted would the results be? So if we ignore the informal labor market and do not properly correct for this inconsistency, we find uh, a very uh, much higher level of social mobility. So in order to really grasp the level of social mobility in a country in, such as Brazil or even in a country such as a developed country such as Italy or um, even the US where a significant part of the population works informally, you have to deal with it in a very proper way. Otherwise, we would have underestimation of the level of income persistence uh, in the society. What did you notice regarding ethnicity, gender, and region? I mean, if both me and you start our lives at the same rung on the social ladder, how do our chances of success change if one of us is a woman or we're black or living in a less developed area? Yeah, another novelty of our study is that we are able with this data to deep Uh, to dig in much more detail on social mobility. So as you said, Gustavo, we not only see the relationship between parental income and children's um, future outcomes, but we also assess the role of different characteristics. So we see that even though parental income is very Determinist, determinant to children's outcomes, we see there is a lot of variation by gender, for instance. So even when you look uh, for children of equivalent income backgrounds, so children that were equally poor or rich uh, when they were growing up, boys do much better than girls. And the same happens um, when we compare non-whites with whites, we see that the racial gap is very uh, is strong across the income distribution. And finally, one of the things that I think it's more surprising, not surprising, but maybe interesting of our paper is the regional variation uh, in social mobility in Brazil. So even though 
on average, on the aggregate level, Brazil has very little social mobility. When you look uh, across Brazilian regions, there is a lot of variation. So some places in South Brazil or in the center west of Brazil have relatively high mobility levels compared to other places in the northeast or north of the country. So you're right, Gustavo, not only parental income has to do with future outcomes of children, but also their gender, race, and ultimately the place where they grow up. So if you're born a man, how much easier would it be for you to improve your status as opposed to a woman growing up in similar circumstances? For poor kids, uh, on average, males rank 6% higher than females born in the same conditions. So if your parents are born, are ranked in the 25th percentile of the income distribution and you are a girl, you are expected to reach the 29th percentile uh, in adulthood. But if you are a boy, you are expected to reach 6% higher or roughly the 46th percentile of the income distribution. So that's what I mean by 6% higher. Okay, so just to be clear, when you talk percentiles, uh, we explain the ladder analogy to our listeners that income brackets are like a ladder with a hundred runs. So if you are a girl born on rung number 25, you're only expected to reach rung number 29. If you're a boy, you started at the same level, you are expected to reach rung 45, which gives that 60% higher. Is that an accurate way to break down what you're saying? That's exactly uh, what I meant, Gustavo. Thanks a lot. And in terms of race, if a black person and a white person begin their lives on rung 25, where they're expected to get? Okay, that's a great analogy for us to stick into. So if you are a white kid born at the 25th step, on average, you reach the 40 percentile. But if you are a non-white person, you reach on average the 32nd percentile. So it is a eight uh, steps gap or about 25, 26%. And what is the impact of migration on families' lives and conditions? Because the North And the Northeast regions, which are the poorest regions in the country, have much lower mobility than wealthier areas. That's a, a really nice question, uh, Gustavo. And that's because I think it's one of the most interesting things about our paper, our study, is that we document that there is a lot of variation in mobility levels in Brazil. So, for instance, places in the Northeast in the north, as you said, have very little mobility, but places in the south, in the southeast, have higher mobility. Uh, so what we see is that when families move 
from poorer areas to richer areas, uh, this has a huge impact on their children. So when poor children born in the Northeast, they move to places where there is higher mobility, they do way better than expected uh, if they had stayed in the Northeast or in the North. So we see that migration it's a possible way to improve their lives of the kids because there is a lot of variation, a lot of uh, difference in opportunities for children in Brazil depending on where they grew up. Better education rates and low illiteracy were common factors in places with higher rates of mobility possibilities. Can we establish a causality here? How much does access to education impact social mobility? So in our study, we are not able to directly assess what causes higher social mobility or how educational attainment can improve mobility. But we do a huge effort to try to see what places characteristics are more associated with mobility. So when you, we compare across more than 500 Brazilian regions and we look for those places characteristics that are correlated with mobility, we found that is strikingly like what pops up to our eyes is that all variables related to education, such as quality of the public system education, low levels of illiteracy rate among adults, um, average scores on standardized tests, and such variables have a strong prediction power on mobility. Uh, this that does not mean that uh, education causes mobility or that uh, we are not trying to assess causality here, but it's very strong suggestive evidence that places with better education are places where children have more opportunities. So, Lucas, without this, we can already say that meritocracy is a myth in Brazil. So, I think that it's very safe uh, to say from our study that relying only on quote-unquote meritocracy to, to base a society in Brazil, it's actually impossible. No one can... Uh, talk about meritocracy in a place where parental income has such a strong predicts uh, someone's future. So we see that it's not only about effort, it's not only about merit, it's a lot about the income of their parents, the education of your parents, it's a lot about your gender, it's a lot about your race, it's a lot about the city where you grow up, no matter how much you, you put effort or on something, how much you study, there are some structural things that 
appear uh, to be on top of that. So uh, replicating a narrative that only meritocracy is enough, it's completely impossible in Brazil, given the evidence. How do you intend to develop the study in the future? This study, its, its purpose is to be a first step on a broader agenda studying a social mobility in Brazil. So this study is a first diagnostic of social mobility in Brazil uh, in a specific point in time. Uh, in future work, we plan to look how social mobility has changed over the decades, how social programs such as Bolsa Familia or the implementation of universal healthcare, SUS, or the expansion of secondary schools, or the increasing real minimum wage, all these large-scale policies that happen in Brazil, how and whether they did an impact on social mobility. Uh, so, yeah, for sure, Gustavo, we really want to extend this agenda as far as possible to really understand what is behind social mobility, income inequality, and poverty overall in Brazil. We want to have a place, a country, like ideally we want to live a country with high social mobility because in these places you have very little inequality. So in a place with uh, high social mobility, every kid has nearly equal uh, uh, opportunities and everyone is well off. But not only equity, but efficiency is also very important Important to, to consider when looking at social mobility. In a place in Brazil, such as Brazil, with very low social mobility, we lose a lot of talent. There are a lot of potential doctors, a lot of potential scientists, a lot of potential entrepreneurs uh, that are trapped in these low bottom steps of the income distribution and they are not able to climb up to their fullest potential because we do not give uh, enough opportunities for them. In the end, this means that Brazil has an efficiency problem in the economy because we are losing all this talent that it's not able to flourish. So we should um, we should look uh, into social mobility. We should care about social mobility, not only because we want an actable society, but also because we want an efficient one. Lucas Varvar is a Brazilian economist conducting pre-doctoral research at Bocconi University in Italy. Lucas, thank you very much for joining us. Well, the pleasure is all mine, Gustavo. If you like Explaining Brazil, please give us a five-star rating wherever you get your podcasts. It takes only a second and it will help us reach a broader audience. Or better yet, sign up for the Brazilian Report, the journalistic engine behind this podcast. We have a subscription-based business model and your subscriptions fuel our journalism and keep us going and growing. 
Thanks to our subscribers, we have been able to cover Brazil and Latin America extensively. And for our work, we have amassed several awards and nominations. In order to keep that work going on, we need your subscription. So please go to brazilian.report slash subscribe or go to our Buy Me A Coffee page, buymeacoffee.com slash Brazilian Report. I'm Gustavo Ribeiro. Thanks for listening. Explaining Brazil will be back next week for the last episode of 2022.